0: Hi, I'm Maria Harris or Fellow Sews on social media. Welcome back to Sew so Over 50 podcast on So Organised Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On Sew so Organised Style podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Sew so Over 50 podcast on Sew so Organised Style. So Over 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Today's guest is Judy or at Judy Wilmot Cross. and I'm really excited that she's here today. Judy, thank you for being today's So Over 50 guest. Thanks for having me Maria, it's a privilege to be asked. I always get excited when as an Australian I'm able to get uh, New Zealand sewist on the podcast. It's always one of my key goals. So thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Well, you've had a few of us now, so thank you for that. You know, we're we're not a big country. I'd like to think we're punching above our weight, but you
0: never know. We'll get stuck into this, and I know that listeners are going to love hearing from you because they've seen your make. So this is a bit of a you're telling us a bit of story about what you've done so far, Judy. Your sewing strength is in creating iconic garments with precision and no way. So is this your natural talent? The word talent
1: is one I kind of struggle with and I do hear it quite a bit. And I think to me, it's not a talent. I've spent decades sewing. I've tried lots of different things and I've spent lots and lots of time on those things Mm. so it's experience rather than talent I think I'm just uncomfortable with being described as talented I think if I have any talent it's that ability to imagine something that I've never seen and just bring something that exists only in my head into the world the epic dress and uh, the coat I've just finished I'd never seen anything like either of those. So the ideas for them came from a lot of different places. I knew roughly what they were going to look like when I started. I knew exactly where I was going and then just stuck with it for a year to get the finished result. So, yeah, I don't know about talent. (laughs) Iconic is. Another one. They are very different. Um, I've never seen anything quite like either of these two particular ones. Yeah. Precision. I will absolutely own precision. When I had a sewing blog, the sewing blog was called Everything Just So because everything had to be just so. If it wasn't perfect, a millimeter out, it got unpicked and redone. And the other thing with Everything Just So was that I don't like glue. I don't stick anything. I sew everything. So everything has to be sewn. If you can sew it, I'll sew it. But yeah, precision, definitely something I strive for always. And the waste is, that's a whole topic. When I was a child, you know, we grew up being encouraged not to waste things. My father in particular was, he was an engineer by trade. He was a structural engineer, but he could make anything. If he wanted something, he made it. And he kept everything that might be useful one day. And my siblings and I do the same thing, much to our spouse's dismay at times. I sort of learned from that example that if I wanted something, I could make it. And if I kept these things that might be useful one day, then I'd have those things when I needed them. And over time, the no waste thing has become such a call to arms I think in the world of sustainability with sewing in particular don't waste things so I've made a real effort to address potential waste rather Mm -hmm. than put those bits aside and think about them later the epic dress was made from leftover bits from trousers I'd upcycled and I didn't want to waste the bits I hadn't used And then when I'd made the epic dress with all those little odd bits, I had more, even tinier bits. And so the coat, 5,048 little bits of fabric sewn together to make a coat in a way that didn't just use these things for the sake of it. It made them into something that was valuable and a worthy item in its own right. I fully expect both this dress and this coat will outlast me and my children will have to deal with them after I've gone. It's minimising waste and turning what waste I produce into something better.
0: Can I step back from what you just told us? Your father influenced your need to not waste. He did, highly. And he was an engineer? He was. He was a structural engineer did you go down the same path of becoming an engineer in your career? No,
1: I actually have a bachelor's degree in clothing and textile science, which is fascinating, but much more theoretical rather than practical. So we learned a lot about physical properties of fibres, fabrics, Clothing systems, all that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, on one side of it, and on the other side of it, social aspects of dress and why we wear what we do and what it says about us. So that's my degree. But in terms of work, I've mostly been a mum. So I've done jobs when children were of an age that I could work. And where I work now, I'm a retail assistant in a company called Glowing Sky, which is a New Zealand owned merino clothing brand and i have to say that this company they're wonderful they really align with my personal values in a lot of ways the merino that they use is new zealand grown and crucially the manufacturing all of the sewing is done right here in new zealand and so that's fantastic yay glowing sky but in terms of waste i mean they're a manufacturer they make clothes but they strive to minimize waste. If a color is discontinued, what's left gets used for a garment range that might only have one or two sizes range, um, or it gets used for making samples, that kind of thing. They don't throw everything out and they don't chuck it. A lot of their scraps got donated to actually Stitch Kitchen here in Dunedin where some were used to stuff draft stoppers. Others have been turned into baby blankets. So these were things that would have been factory waste and they're being reused. So that's what I do for my day job. I work retail, but that's who I work for.
0: It sounds ideal because, as you said, it fits in with your values.
1: It really does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, again, stepping back. So when you studied textiles in your degree,
1: did they talk about waste then? Not a lot. I graduated in 1999 and the fashion revolution and the, the push to reduce waste and reduce overconsumption has largely happened after I graduated. Right. So waste was talked about more in terms of profitability. You know, obviously, if you have a wasteful pattern lay, then you have a lot of leftovers that you can't do anything with. Hmm. and you've paid for the fabric and now it's just waste that you have to get rid of so waste was more talked about in terms of profitability rather than being a bad thing um, in its own right and to be avoided and I mean we didn't study in depth the manufacturing process and if we had you know maybe they would have talked more about what you can do with waste but it never came up during my studies it possibly would now. Thanks for answering that question. I was just curious,
0: you know. So the epic dress, has that been one of your favorite
1: sewing projects? Absolutely. It grew so much over the time that I was doing it because I started it day one of New Zealand's first lockdown. So 25th of March 2020, New Zealand went into a lockdown and I figured I needed something engrossing to do because. The world was just going to hell in a handbasket and I needed something to do that was not watching the news. And sewing calms me. I find it restful. Hand sewing, I just find incredibly therapeutic. And the idea of this dress came from a lot of places. And so I didn't dream it up all in one day and get started, but the whole thing came together on that day and I started it and it just seemed like the right project. And the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. And I did wonder how I was going to feel about sewing rows by hand, five millimeters apart over the entire surface of this dress. And I thought, am I going to get tired of this? Mm. And no, I did not get tired of it at all. And over the year it took me to do all of that, I added in all of these things that became markers of the year. I put in a cake on my birthday. I put on a poppy on Anzac Day, a tree for Christmas Day. I put on the Southern Cross. I did a lead light window in my house. Um, I signed it. I put on some song lyrics, quite from my favorite author. There is a swear word in Morse code in one of the lines um, because I thought it would be fun to have a swear word in it, but I didn't want to actually spell it out in letters, so I did it in Morse code. So it became this autobiographical marker of mm. what was one hell of a year for the world. and as I posted photos of it on Instagram every time I finished a piece and posted updates, I had all these lovely people saying how much they were enjoying, seeing the progress, mm-hmm. and it, it was like my own cheer squad just. Grew. Every time I put something on, there were more people saying, "Oh, I love seeing this when it comes up in my feed." And I realised that you know it wasn't just me; I wasn't sewing in isolation. Other people got a kick out of seeing it. And then, of course, when it was finished, uh, Sandy from Sew Over Fifty asked if I would like to do the grand reveal on the Sew Over Fifty Instagram account. And I thought, "Oh, that'd be fun." And that was wild. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was I completely taken aback by that. I I knew there was interest because my own followers were enjoying watching it, but it blew up, you know, for me, that was just a wild ride. It was got a lot of interest. And it was validation, I guess, of what I was doing that this insane project resonated with people, that they could appreciate why I spent a year Making this dress out of scraps. The other sort of big event with the epic dress was that it was on the front page of our local newspaper because my mother in law emailed the newspaper and told them that I had been making this dress and it might fit with their stories about lockdown because it was a year since lockdown had started. So they came around and they took a photo and asked me some questions, and it was on the front page of the paper. Every time I wear it, and I wear it a lot, I get comments from people who like it, and it still surprises me because I saw it as something that was so tied to me and my approach to what I thought was interesting and what mattered to me. And so for other people to like it enough to say something is incredibly flattering. Watching every step of the way as you were making it
0: was quite exciting because a lot of thought went into yep. it. It
1: did. Well, when I was sewing it, I mean, it took so, so long. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours to sew. So I'd be thinking about what else I'd like to do further on. Yep. And a lot of ideas came to me while I was doing it. But when I started out, I didn't intend it to be this iconic autobiography of my 2020 year. I just intended to make a dress that I was going to like wearing and use up my little scraps so they didn't become waste. And I figured it would matter to me and nobody else. (laughs) And it kind of got away on me. Hey, it got
0: recognized in the local press on the front page and on Sober 50 with over
1: 40,000 followers. Yeah. At the time, I think after the 24 hours um, or just before the 24 hours was up, Sandy messaged me to say that it was the most popular post at that time that they'd ever had and I um, mean it's since been surpassed it's definitely not the top anymore that was just unbelievable I couldn't believe that that many people were that interested in my wee dress and actually that leads me to another little wee highlight yeah. I was away on holiday over the new year period and again Sandy messaged me to say did you see this and um, we had very spotty internet where we were, so I hadn't seen it. And what it was was the so over fifty accounts top nine for um oh yes yeah and for twenty twenty one I was there I was in the top nine which was super gratifying. But I was right next to Ismay from Sewing Bee, and I was like, oh, I'm right next to Ismay. That is so cool. <laughs> so yeah, that was a massive highlight of the year. So if have seen hadn't messaged me. I'd have missed it. That's such a huge win. Oh, it was that was awesome!
0: And now you've got the coat, which is just as impressive. The coat,
1: yeah, that was that was a whole other thing, and that grew directly out of what was left after the epic dress I had, even tinier little pieces of fabric. I don't know whether I sort of got the idea because quilt coats have started having a real thing it's on social media, every yeah. single making quilt coats and I don't know whether I saw one and thought oh that'd be great or whether I thought oh I could make little pieced hexagons out of my tiny scraps and then I could sew them into a coat so I'm not quite sure which idea came whether I saw a coat first and thought that's what I could do or whether it was just quilt coats were around and the idea percolated somehow. But that is another piece that I'm I'm really proud of that one. It was very, very fun to do and so satisfying to use scraps of fabric. They're too small for anything, so what else are you going to do with them? Just tiny little pieces of fabric, and I've turned them into something that I expect I will wear for
0: years. The great thing about the coat is, again, there was the unveiling of all the pieces that you had put together for the coat and it's so cohesive oh thank you and the fact that you know
1: how many pieces you use in it over I I don't know quite what that says about me but I counted (laughs) as I was going and it was quite hard to count when it's a big piece of fabric so when I'd finished each piece yeah I counted all the bits of paper when I took them out because they're done with English paper piecing which you have your little wee paper shape and you base the fabric to that and then you sew those together so they're really precise which I love. So I kept all of the bits of paper and after I'd finished each piece I counted them. Uh, why I did that I don't know but I I wanted to know. So I, I know that there are 5,048 pieces of fabric that I stitched together to make the coat and a few got trimmed off after I'd because I, obviously there was a bit of overhang. Yeah. Bits that got trimmed off that are big enough went straight back into the, the hexy bag and they will get made into more hexies or something else. Mm.
0: So people are just going to have to watch your account to find out.
1: I know what my next big project is going to be, but it's not going to be a hexy one. Okay. Next big project, I'm going to make um, a quilt for my bed, but I'm not doing that out of hexies because it would just take me too long to accumulate enough little scraps i'm going to actually cut up again it's going to be upcycled trousers and shirts so ones that i've already cut into i'll start with those and i have i have a plan so that will no doubt appear on instagram in the next
0: few days when i actually get started on it i think listeners will already been watching your account yeah. to see what comes next from judy <laughs> I'm, I'm so flattered that anybody is interested because <laughs> it takes so long for anything to happen <laughs> Look, I'm a fan, obviously, because I'm so impressed by all the work that you do. The fact that you put the colors together, that you're reusing scraps is amazing.
1: It's so satisfying to use what should otherwise have been waste. And as far as putting all the colors together, I sort of figured they're all colors that I like. Mm. I put a lot of thought into each individual hexagon as I made it and then how I laid them out when I was making them into each piece of coat. A lot of thought went into it in little increments rather than this is how the whole thing is going to look. But I had terror. I don't know how far through it was when I thought, is this just going to look like a dog's breakfast? I, I do this every time. Every time I make something, I'm terrified that it is going to look awful and with these two are meticulous like I'm spending hundreds of hours on these things. What if I don't like them when they're done? And then I'd get further through and I just think, why do I worry? Because I'm always pleased with them. So oh, I, I should have a bit more faith in myself. I'm
0: glad you talked to yourself about not being so negative.
1: It's oh, good. It's a it's a battle. Some projects I am absolutely convinced are going to be terrible until I'm nearly finished. And then think, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. By now, I've been sewing a long time. So, when did you discover
0: the of 50 community?
1: It would have been after that got started, but before I turned fifty. I turned fifty in 2019, and I think quite a few people I follow are already over fifty, so they would have been using the hashtag. I literally could not wait to turn fifty so that I could join the club because I thought that's where all the cool people on the Instagram are hanging out. I want to go and join in. I couldn't wait. I love it. So Over 50 is such an amazing group. Judith and Sandy and obviously you and Susan and everybody else who's ever been involved are amazing. The amount of work that gets done to create this beautiful community that we get to partake in and just link up with like-minded people. It's wonderful.
0: It is, and, you know, the call is always out for people who have a topic of interest mm. to contact Sober 50 and do a guest post. That's always an open invitation. Oh,
1: oh, look, I would highly recommend anybody who has anything to say to do that. It was so much fun. Sandy reached out to me, which um, I have to say I, I wouldn't have volunteered because it's just that, you know, is anybody else interested in this feeling? So I definitely wouldn't have volunteered, but she reached out and invited me and it went so well. It was really fun. So if anybody's got anything to say, contact them. I agree.
0: There's more to this conversation with Judy that you'll hear in her next podcast. Are you curious about how Judy applies her values to her op shopping purchases? Make sure you subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast to get Judy's next episode. Listeners, remember to direct message So Over 50 on Instagram to be a volunteer guest editor. Have a lovely day, listeners. This episode for So Over 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Judy, soundbybensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free So Over 50 podcast archive. And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time.
1: Stay safe, everyone.